Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. School has started and I feel a little bit weird about that. How about you, Mary? Um, relieved now that he's actually going to be in the building. Um, I just, you know, as adults, those weird seasons and it's just, you know, you go forward, you go back and you have to adjust and we survive. So here we are in our special little community. So, yeah, I personally, you know, I think there's something to be said about seasons of life and I mean, seasons in general, but as a parent, you know, when your kid goes back to school for me, it's kind of like, okay, let's think, rethink like the schedule, which, you know, I'm obsessive about my calendar and the daily schedule and all that. So it feels good to kind of like shift gears, but I love summer more than you. So I do Mm -hmm. kind of grieve the thought of (laughs) losing that kind of free schedule and constantly sweating. That's what I was going to say. I just don't like being hot all the time. I don't need to go outside and have sweat dripping down my, my rolls Mm. in my back. Like I don't need that. I love the sun more and more. Well, anyways, it's so good to be back. Um, I'm excited about a lot of the topics that we're going to be um, sharing on the one voice podcast for the next few months. And it's been such a fun journey. Just so many great um, guests and just ideas and books we've shared with you. And honestly, just the feedback from so many of you survivors and those of you who love us, um, that this has meant a lot to you. And so it really keeps us going because we could easily just quit it one day, but I just, I'm like, why would we, it's been such a great community. And I love, um, just hearing your feedback and the things that you want to talk about, but especially today, one of our favorite guests, we've had her before, but she's such a dear friend to us. Um, Mandy Pearson, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> of course. So for those who don't know, Mandy is a trauma therapist here in our city of Columbus, Ohio. Mandy also co-leads Um, the majority of the Unleash groups that we offer online for survivors of sexual abuse, an eight-week course. And it's so fun to be able to do that and to meet weekly with survivors from all over the world and to talk about our struggles and our our ups and downs and everything. And Mandy has been such a light in that space and um, has just brought a lot of validation and comfort and hope and you know, shed some light onto some dark places. So Mandy, I'm just so grateful that you are part of our team here and for all that you bring to the table. Thanks. I appreciate that. I love Unleashed Groups. So I'm always excited for um, the groups to come together and how they are all different. Yeah, they really are. The same content. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. And yeah. what I love too is, and you've been a part of it where we've had a survivor repeat the course. And then when she's in a new group, it's a totally different experience, even for her with the same content, just the different survivors and what we each kind of are focusing on at that moment in our journey. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. It's been a really fun, a fun time, I think. Good. 
Yeah. Well, today we wanted to talk to you just about the client therapist relationship, what therapy is, what it isn't. Um, but specifically today, how can we, especially as survivors of trauma, be good clients in this space? You know, there's so many questions that survivors ask. And there's a lot of fear that goes into starting therapy, even for the first time. You know, you you want to know that you're not going to be wasting money, energy, time, vulnerability on something that might not work for you. Um, but I know for me personally, I mean, therapy has been one of the most important things in my whole life, not just in trauma recovery, just as a person <laughs> and navigating relationships and work and everything that we do in life. Um, it's just been such an important part of my health. And I know that for me, I've had to be curious enough. I've had to be teachable. I've had to be motivated. That's been one of the biggest things for me. Um, but it's been so rewarding, but I think there's a lot that goes into being a good client. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, that's right. And I think even like for me, it's being an informed client because, um, it's, I think the media, when we see someone going to counseling is not actually what it really is like. Um, I don't think that on TV shows, or movies, they're showing it very well. And so people really don't have any idea what to expect. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I just want to see people be able to be themselves and be informed and make choices that are um, moving in the direction of like good care. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are some, maybe some filters and things that people can use and also just knowing what to expect when you show up and knowing maybe the finer points of um, the dynamics in those relationships and how we can uh, Mm -hmm. kind of set people up for success there. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, I have a lot of questions for you um, when it comes to this. I think um, I'd love to kind of dive into that, but first, like, what are your initial thoughts on what can survivors do? Um, to maximize really their success in therapy? Like, are there any, just like some things that off the top of your head, you think are, are helpful to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so therapy is an interesting relationship, like the, the relationship you have with your therapist. And I want to, I'm going to break some of it down to like very basic things for people who maybe are brand new to this. Um, I'm saying counselor and therapist kind of, um, including the following, um, which would normally be, um, marriage and family therapist, a counselor or a social worker. So those are the three licenses that typically apply across the board. Um, I'm personally a social worker um, who has been trained in a lot of counseling techniques. So uh, you want to look for someone who is licensed, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, That feels really important, especially when you're dealing with trauma. So we can talk about maybe some of the keywords and things like that. Um, Also, you know, thinking of it as I I was jotting down some notes and I thought, prepare to spend a year doing this. 
So this is not like going to the doctor for a checkup, Mm -hmm. getting antibiotics, and then whatever's going on goes away. Mm -hmm. But you have to figure that you, most of us are walking in a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit of needing to build rapport with with our counselor, our therapist. These are things that take time and are worth the investment because Mm -hmm. we have to feel safe in order to do this good work. And um, so I like to tell people, it may not be true that it's going to take exactly a year, but prepare to spend a year talking through what is going on. And honestly, a good rule of thumb is if it's, if the problem that you're coming with is super old, prepare to spend a while working on this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of getting your brain in the, in the right frame, you know, in the right mindset that, um, I'm going to invest some time and resources into this. Yeah. Can we just add Mandy, you're the therapist, but I've been a client for many years (laughs) off and on in my life, you know, those seasons of counseling. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first bout of counseling was years. Like I, um, childhood trauma, um, working through, I mean, just all the things, cause I had never gone to counseling and I started in my early twenties or late twenties. And there was a lot to unpack. So, um, but yeah, everyone's so different, but I'm grateful that I just had that amount of time to devote to myself for the first time in my entire life. You know, it mm-hmm. takes some time. So yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And you think I've thought about it personally as well, Mary, where, you know, I had from what I can remember nine to 10 years of sexual abuse in my childhood. So For me, unraveling and unpacking all of that, that's 10 years to now take into therapy to heal. I want to give myself 10 years at least. Mm -hmm. And that sounds crazy when you first start because it feels overwhelming. But I think what you're saying, Mandy, is to at least set the expectation that this will take time. It's not Mm -hmm. a quick band-aid. And once you get in, and and as I know, we're going to talk about a little bit more about finding the right therapist. um, When you do, then the long road is, is what you want. It's not just something you have to do. It's something you, you want to do. Yeah, that's right. It, it becomes less about an emergency and more Mm -hmm. about my health, Mm -hmm. like being proactive and Mm -hmm. knowing, you know, once you're in a good therapeutic relationship with someone, it's like, oh, that is someone that I want to include in this process and have this neutral space, which I think we'll talk about, but um, it becomes more about a healthy and healing relationship. Right. And that it's like, oh, I, I want to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to unpack a little bit more about like the right therapist relationship or ways to maximize success? Sure. Um, so I, I will say just wanting to talk a little bit about logistically, like an easy, there's no easy way to find a therapist. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, as most of us are aware in the last couple of years, there is more need than there is, than there are people to, to treat the -hmm. needs. And so wait lists look really long. Um, it can be really frustrating to try to call around and find someone. Um, so just logistically, some things that are maybe helpful. I always recommend if I don't have someone that I know uh, myself, 
that I can send you to because people are are backed up. Um, I will recommend Psychology Today. It's a great way to put in um, it's put in what you need, like keywords, and they offer some of that. Um, you can do it in your area. You can look up your own insurance, like on there. Mm. You always want to verify that. You can also put in keywords like trauma, uh, EMDR. I want to see a woman. I I have this insurance. Um, they actually offer a lot of specific things, and then it will give you a list within your area and. Um, it's, I think it's really helpful. It's certainly not all inclusive, um, but it's a great start to finding at least like, this is the category that I'm looking for. And can I just say how much I appreciate you saying that? Because I remember for me, I had hit rock bottom, so I had to go into counseling, but I was looking for any excuse not to go. And if that meant, oh, they don't take my insurance or I needed a barrier to get in the way for me to just write it off and not have to go even though I knew I can't operate at this level anymore because I am just spent. I am so damaged, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember telling my counselor probably five sessions in, I would pay you double the amount of what you're charging because it was so rewarding and so life-giving. Yeah. 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 And, and that's true. And what's, what I think is really hard in this field. And I like cringe about it at least once a week is that Mary, when we reach that place of, I have to do something right now, and there's no one available to me, it feels like the urgency will pass, or I have to go back to old stuff and take care of myself in ways that aren't really working. Um, And so I guess that's a plug for sort of keep going, be patient, there will be someone who, who will be available to you. And noticing like we don't have to be in an emergency to ask for help. It's just when we're the most likely to, um, and going in for, um, Hey, this was going on. It's been a couple of months, but circling back is certainly valuable because probably if it popped up once, it's going to keep gnawing at us until we take care of it. That's great. You can keep on going. All right. All right. (laughs) Um, so, one of the things I think is helpful to understand, I always feel such compassion when people call and they've worked up, Mary, like you talked about, like, I can't do this anymore. And they've gotten themselves kind of worked up. Uh, and I'm on the phone with someone who is just trying to see if I have time and they're telling me their whole story. You don't have to do that. When you call your counselor for the first time, you can just say, I'm looking for someone to help me process some of these events or this trauma. Your counselor is really accustomed to these stories and and they are likely already equipped and prepared and they don't really need the detail. And so allowing yourself to grow that rapport is totally fine. So uh, just a quick overview, hey, here's what I'm looking for. Um, And even, I think it's helpful, I do this for myself, um, ahead of my first appointment with my own counselor, or subsequent, I will write down a list of things I want to make sure that we talk about. Yeah. Um, Because it is kind of, I mean, it is anxiety producing Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to go kind of share Mm -hmm. my guts with someone and it's going to be the first time and feeling those nerves, maybe writing down a good list and, and some of your goals is super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first like effective counseling, um, 
relationship was in college. And that was because I was really motivated. And I would come in with a list of the things I really wanted to tackle because I didn't want to get up there and maybe freeze up or forget or think, oh, it's not really that big of a deal or, you know, whatever. I also didn't want to just wait on her to like chatty Kathy and talk about the weather. Like I wanted to really get this 50 minutes worth of working. And that I think was really helpful to make my first, you know, really meaningful um, counseling season. And then what I've learned later, Mandy, though, is, you know, now having gone through years and years of therapy with many different therapists, um, the one I'm currently with now, sometimes I'm, I will find myself doing what I used to do where I was like, so motivated. I got to do all the things where I feel like I have to always carry the conversation. So if there's a, there's a pause, like I finished through what we were talking about. And sometimes I feel like, oh, I got to do her job for her. Okay. So here's the next thing. Like I'm, I'm gathering. And then I'm thinking, no, like I have matured. And this is a relationship that is both it's there's two people here now I think we'll get into it later like the boundaries and where a counselor shouldn't I shouldn't know anything about my counselor's life um so I'm not expecting that but I am I am noticing in myself where I can wait I can wait for her to ask the next question based on what she's heard and gathered she's the professional um and that's been really helpful for me too in just maturing in that relationship um, meanwhile, still having my motivation and my checklist. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, and it makes, it just is a good reminder that like, as a therapist, as a counselor, I am very comfortable with awkward silence mm-hmm. and it's probably new to most people. And so, um, don't worry about the quiet moments in counseling mm-hmm. Um, there, those are intentional and there's no rush. It may feel like there is, um, but we have so, I say this all the time, but we have so few conversations where people leave us any room Mm -hmm. to think or to process or to feel. And I know that is true because if we were to like ask everyone to raise their hands who would listen to the podcast. Like remember a time that you had a disagreement with someone and you're sitting at home eight hours later and you think, ah, I wish I had said this thing. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we just don't have this space. And so to have an hour where someone gives you space is a real gift. Mm, Absolutely. For me, it's shown the importance of trust in that relationship that I can trust that I can do things differently here. The conversation Mm -hmm. here can hold enough space for silence and thought. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a real green flag for therapy or good therapist um, is someone who can create that safe space where on one hand, we can speak openly um, without fear of judgment Mm -hmm. or rejection. that everything is safe here, yeah. um, but also that safe space where nothing's being said and to sit with it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. to trust that the therapist is the professional and can do his or her job when we're not bringing up the next thing. Yeah, that's right. 
I do tell people as a general rule, especially, you know, my clients are aware, but come with something that you want to dive into or that you want to explore or be curious about. Mm -hmm. So I like to constantly be aware of any kind of power differential um, that someone might experience in therapy, being Mm -hmm. with someone who they might see as an authority and you're bringing this really sensitive for you topic. And part of my wanting my clients to feel empowered is to say, you might have a whole list of things we could work on. And today you get to decide what it is we talk about. And I'm going to ask questions that are going to push a little bit and kind of keep things moving, but it's really helpful and gives you some of that power back to, to come with like even a little bit of an idea of what it is you want to work on in every session. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of a, what do I want? How do I feel? What, Mm -hmm. what's my goal Mm -hmm. kind of thing? Simple starting point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and the pace in most of my sessions, and I think a lot of people in the field have something similar is there is a little warm up, right? A little bit of small talk about the week or, you know, oftentimes if someone, it has a, you've been working on a problem and yet there's a new crisis that feels like an emergency. Well, let's take a moment to talk about that. And even if it takes a session, you're not wasting the time. Like these are new concerns and new things that you're bringing. um, And we'll get back on track next time. It's so hard to concentrate on something that feels historical if right now I feel like I'm not going to get through the week. Yeah. Um, And so we want to be sensitive to um, what someone is going through. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of want to be on the other side of that for a minute and say, your your counselor, if they notice you're sort of avoiding the big stuff, might start pulling at that and saying, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, what's going on here? Because there's some of that avoidance that might come from, ooh, that one feels big or, or, or difficult to walk through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because wouldn't you say most of us begin therapy for the thing that's really big right now, mm-hmm. but it's really just a layer that's covering up the deeper thing that hopefully will get brought up yeah, once you deal with right. the outside layers. Yeah. Yeah. That onion yeah. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny to me one time in a session when we're talking about like the big thing, <clears throat> it was mostly my childhood trauma and just trying to figure out like what happened and how did I get to where I am? And I have all these, you know, unhealthy coping and blah, blah, blah. And then there was something from my past in my early twenties that I didn't want to dive into and it didn't feel like a thing. And she kind of like brushed past the scenario of it. And I was like, "Mm, Nope, I'm actually not here for that. So I didn't. And it felt good though, to have some control that actually, not that I was at peace with it, but I wasn't struggling with it. And I don't need to go into that right now. So it's not like from my experience that you have to put like all the things on the table that I know is wrong with me, you know, not wrong with me, but I've struggled with, um, Mm. we don't have to go into everything that might be 20 years from now. Um, but I get to pick and choose, you know, where we're going with this and you don't have to answer everything. And if you're not feeling it, um, 
yeah, let's talk about that in a couple weeks. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. ready for that, or it feels a little too sensitive right now, or I don't know. I just felt good that I could help push the conversation along if I wasn't comfortable with something, you know, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. And I think that's a really good way to talk about having a boundary with your therapist Mm -hmm. that like, it's not all access. It shouldn't be. And there, you know, I'm, I am holding the space that I am willing to sit with whatever you bring, but I am also willing to honor that you might not be ready to bring all of it and starting small and growing trust with, with our relationship. Um, that's to be expected. And, um, I'm not going to push for more. I might like nudge in a direction, but certainly I'm going to honor any boundary that a client's going to set with me. Mm -hmm. So I think it feels good and healthy having that framework going into it, knowing that, I am not being forced to talk about anything I don't want to, or yeah. something's a little too, the nerve is too inflamed that week. I don't have to talk about that thing. We can talk about it later when I've switched, you know, or shifted um, seasons or whatever. So it just felt really mm. good for me. Yeah. That's been yeah. one of the most important things I think that we set in the groundwork of unleash groups is just letting the pressure out immediately by saying, in this eight week group, you never are required to share your story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just ask you to show up and be a good listener and share as you feel, you know, and mm-hmm. that I think has really helped. And, and I love what you're saying too, with in your one-on-one therapy sessions, like, because we want control and because there's so much fear of what I'm going to be forced to do because I'm going into therapy <laughs> um, and just hearing and knowing, you know, even from you, Mandy, you know, to hear from an actual counselor to say something like you're in control here of how this goes. You want to go at this pace. This is the pace we go. You want to go this fast. And it would be a red flag if you're in a therapist relationship where they are the one who's navigating or narrating your story Mm -hmm. and controlling the pace or requiring you to make these certain steps because the, the best therapy, in my opinion, would be where you're the one that's directing the show and you have this wonderful coach alongside of you, cheering for you, helping you notice things you weren't noticing before, giving you homework that you choose to do if you want. And if it doesn't feel right, that you feel safe enough to speak up and say, I actually, like you said, Mary, I don't really want to work on that right now. And that the therapist, because you're in a safe, confidential environment would never force you to would only yeah. honor that space and say, well, what do you feel ready for? You know, and mm-hmm. that's the way that it should be moving. It's just such a beautiful um, flow to it. So to expect that and to notice that and to, I think, dive into that. And if you have that relationship, um, all the work that you do feels really worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And even honoring, you know, uh, Mary, what you said also reminded me that, um if we're working on something that's really hard and for example, it's, it's your birthday week, tell your therapist, like not this week, man, you know, and I joke like with, with my clients, don't schedule therapy on your birthday. Yes. That's what we need to hear though. (laughs) Yeah. Just go, just go enjoy the day and eat cake and do your thing. And, you know, like, or if you have something going on, that you're like, I can't dig into this today and you need a break from the heavy stuff. 
and that's okay. You know, let your therapist know that and um, you'll get back on track next week or, or whatever that might look like. But um, we want to work on the thing you want to work on and you get to decide that. So um, yeah, just be in constant communication about those needs as well, I think. Yeah. I think you kind of alluded to it already earlier, Mandy, but I just got the the image or the concept of like, it really is a partnership. It's not the principal's office and you're like, ah, I gotta, and like there's expectations or cause I, you mentioned earlier, the authority figure thing. I get a little weird with that. It's a little tricky. And I feel like, you know, I have to accomplish this or make them feel good about their job or not ever miss an appointment. It's like, no, it really is a partnership and sure we have to be responsible and all that. But it sounds like most counselors understand that life happens and you truly do care. Like you said, that you guys want to work on what we as the patients want to work on. That's right. A therapeutic alliance um, really is a partnership where we agree on what we're working on. Mm -hmm. We're working together. We're on the same team. Um, And so sometimes we might get off track and we might have to kind of reevaluate and come back and say, okay, we got off track. Things kind of kept moving? Does our goal still feel like our goal? And if not, do we need to change it or do we need to get back on track for that? And having really good communication um, for many of us, therapy might be the first time there's an adult that we trust who is going to hear us and walk through it and say, I'm actually having some concerns around this. Let's talk about it, which might be a new experience. It might be really uncomfortable and um, allowing yourself to get to the other side of that um, and find out that it's okay that we weren't seeing eye to eye or we got off track Mm -hmm. because it actually added some depth and richness to this therapeutic relationship. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to acknowledge that it's not up to the therapist to make sure we're on the same track. Like if as a client, would you agree? Like we don't need to shy away from asking those questions or bringing that up, telling your therapist, this isn't working for me. This was, but this isn't like that yeah. because it's not authoritarian and it is a dual relationship. Well, it is a relationship of two people coming together in the same room, working toward a mm-hmm. common goal. That means we mm-hmm. have a voice as the yeah. client to, yeah, to right. bring that up. And I yeah. love what you're talking about too, with like being able to try new things in the therapy room, because mm-hmm. again, it's a confidential safe space. It doesn't go anywhere else. It is an opportunity for people who have never cried over something to cry. You don't have mm-hmm. to walk in there and be the same person you are in the outside world. I yeah. love that. If you're yeah. not a feeler, you can go in and feel for once yeah. in your life and not feel funny about it. Like you're trying something new to see what else there is about you. I mean, yeah. we are exploring ourselves and it it's sometimes really freeing to be able to, to practice this with someone who that's what they're there for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember trying to talk one of my friends into going to counseling many, many years ago. And 
you know, valid, you know, fears and everything. And I had it too in the beginning. And it's like, well, I don't want to go to a stranger and tell them my life story. And I said, why wouldn't I want to go to a stranger to tell yeah. them my life story? All right. Guess what? Then I don't have to do life with you on the daily. And then I'm trying exactly. to wrestle this stuff out on my own. And then, you know, some stuff and then you have an opinion about it. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I get to go to this little carved out space in my life. I get to vomit everything. They get to help me work it out. And then I can close the lid on it for a little, for a little bit if I need to. And then I just kind of go back to my normal life where I can, <laughs> you know, I can get through the day and stuff. Um, mm. But I don't know. I just love that concept that I don't have mm. to see you at dinner on Thursday night. You know, it's That's right. great. <laughs> Right. Well, and that brings up another point that I did want to get to, but before that, I want to say for me being in the therapist office, trying something new, I mean, it's probably no surprise to you or any of our listeners, but I am mostly a listener in my life and therapy is my opportunity to practice talking, which is funny because I am a speaker for my career and life purpose, but in one-on-one conversations, I'm always the listener. So for me to be in an office with one person and be able to just share and to not feel like I have to now hear her story that relates to it, which then will take over the next hour. It feels so good. And I honestly had to shop for a therapist like that because in my role, I mean, many people see me as an equal with a social worker or a therapist and many therapists have sexual abuse in their history. So they want to tell me their stories. So I had to terminate quite a few therapy relationships because I did not want to listen. I just, I'm paying you. I'm paying you to listen to me. And I'm so grateful that I found those. Yeah. So yeah, I love the the opportunity to practice new things in the therapy. Therapy Yeah. It's so interesting. And I think that's a good segue into a little bit of the relationship dynamics that are healthy and good um, with a therapist. So um, this might include some red flags. It might include, it might bump up against some things for people. Um, But I uh, often work with folks who have had unhealthy or abusive counselors in their past. And so to be uh, totally forthcoming, I am really passionate about making sure that people are being cared for by healthy people Mm, and um, sitting with folks who have, who are in recovery then from their recovery, which is pretty disappointing sometimes. So Mm -hmm. um, by and large, you are not going to know very much about your therapist. Knowing too much about them is a red flag. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I think that's really important. They, um, so to, to tell you, I love my clients. Like I am wild about them. I'm cheering for them. I'm invested in them and mm-hmm. I am not their friend. Yeah. It is so different. And what keeps the space really safe and sacred is that for this one hour, for this one hour of your life, you don't have to take care of anyone else. This time is set aside for you to be taken care of, to be heard, to be seen, to be validated, to be curious, to be challenged. And trust that 
I am already being taken care of in my own ways. I have all these things set up. Um, a good therapist has lots of things set up for themselves to practice self-care. Um, and though your story may be heavy and it may be emotional, uh, I will take care of myself as your therapist should as well when our time is done. Mm -hmm. And this hour is just about you. That's really bizarre for a lot of us to hear. Um, Cause I know my skin as you're talking about this, I'm just like, okay, I'll be the unhealthy one. Who's going to share the struggles I've had in that area. Number one, I'm a rescuer. So it was weird for me. Like you just said, Mandy, to go into counseling and feel like this is about me. Nicole, you said it too. We have these so many areas in our life where we're, you know, not able to just make it about ourselves. And on top of that, Mandy, it was really a weird adjustment for me to not feel like we're friends because when I'm entering into this place of sharing these deep things, and then if I feel like on a friend level, we have like some chemistry and we're tracking and um, you know, we can like laugh together and you're with me as I'm crying. It was really weird for me to have those strong boundaries of, oh, I can't text them on a Saturday when like this funny thing happens that they know is a trigger for me or whatever. We're not doing that, but I'll be honest. That was a little weird for me because I am such a connector with people. Um, but that's so important to hear you say that, uh, for people like me who we struggle with those boundaries and just mm -hmm. wanting to be friends with other humans who like, on a, you know, in a blip of a time that we just connect with. And then, you know, you want to strike up this friendship, but that's not what counseling is. So I'm glad you that's, said that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and if you think about it, you know, so often if, if we're going out to dinner with our friends, we, there's a sort of social uh, norm that we each get a little bit of time to talk about what's going on with us and sort it out and, and what have you, but like, that does not exist in this relationship that this whole hour is yours. We're, we're just here for you. And that can sort of feel uncomfortable in the beginning. And then hopefully warming up, you're like, actually, I kind of like that this hour is just for mm -hmm. me. Give it some time. Maybe if it feels awkward and uncomfortable at first, give it some time. Um, and then it will grow on you and feel like, oh, I'm seeing the benefits of you know, this person who cares for me, but if I, as a client, am having a really hard time, I'm struggling, I'm disappointing myself, disappointing other people, my therapist is still for me and my actions, while they might bring up feelings, do not directly affect my, my therapist. Mm, mm -hmm. That's good. I can make all the terrible choices in the world that I want to. And they might feel sad or might, but their life is just going to be fine. And, and it, what a relief that there's someone that we can interact with who is not in the game in the same way that the people that are, we're connected to socially or in our family are. Well, and for some of us, my hands are up. This is the first time in our life that we're not emotionally responsible for someone else. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah, it does. It does take some getting used to though. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that's what has helped me feel the safest in a therapist relationship 
the few that I mean for a few different therapists I've had where Mm -hmm. the boundary is so clear because Mm -hmm. as a trauma survivor most of what I'm trying to talk about is where the boundaries were not clear where they were broken where people were taking advantage where I had to you know serve them fix their problems make them feel better Mm-hmm. The boundaries were wrong. They were messed up. And so for a therapist to not then want to become my friend or engage me in supporting their side business or, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. feels really healthy. And it's something like, it's so concrete that I can rely on it. It's safe. Mm-hmm. And on mm-hmm. the other end, it's ethical. <laughs> it's ethical. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's also kind of a, uh, if you allow it to be an opportunity to relax in that I'm not trying to impress anyone. If I'm a client, I don't need to impress my therapist or like win or Mm -hmm. elicit emotion or just knowing that someone is whole and present and receptive to you. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to be earned. There's nothing to like, all my clients are my favorite client. If I'm sitting with you right now, you're my favorite, (laughs) right? Um, And so many dynamics that we have probably been unaware of that contribute to our depression, our anxiety, our fears about things. Um, we, We can kind of pause that to have this good neutral relationship where I'm not actually earning my keep here. You keep hitting on all the stuff that I look at. I'm like, oh, little Mary, you were so unhealthy because again, here I am. And that's how I went into the office because my entire life, everything has been graded and rated and everything was you're either winning or losing. I have to impress. I have to perform. And that's how I went into counseling. It's like, Mm -hmm. hold it together just enough. so You're not a wackadoodle, but it's like, and you wanted to get an A plus. What you wanted to be the favorite. You wanted to be the A plus student. You want me to get you Starbucks on my way in. Like that's unhealthy. And that's where I was. (laughs) I am like trying to be friends and I want you to like me and I want, but that shows my unhealth and what I needed to overcome. Um, So Mm. I think it's important. Like Mm. you just said, Mandy, people need to hear the neutral relationship thing is like music to my ears. Okay. Resetting Mm -hmm. all this stuff in my brain that I believe for so long. And like you said, it takes time adjusting to that. Um, But yeah. I just feel like you're giving such good framework for those who mm. are considering counseling. Cause I wish I would have yeah. known this stuff going into it. Cause I didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. And I think a lot of people don't, and even learning how that looks and feels as a therapist, as a counselor, um, that you're really fond of everyone and learning because on day one, it doesn't feel like the outcome doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, it doesn't affect me, but growing and learning over time. And, you know, we have to learn and, and kind of make changes too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I see the world a lot differently now than I did on day one. <laughs> yeah. I think it just needs to be said, even though it's awkward and weird, but I mean, even when we're talking about these relationships and noticing red flags in a therapy relationship, I mean, we had a podcast recently with Amy Nordhues who wrote a memoir about sexual abuse from her therapist. So just to be willing to say it, you know, that that is a huge red flag. If your therapist is, you know, pushing you for physical touch after you, you know, 
mm-hmm. shared what you're, you know, you don't want to hug. Well, if they're pushing that, like, or just engages in any type of intimate physical contact with you, it's definitely a no, no along mm-hmm. with some of the other things that we've already been saying, like that feels like a hard line, but when you're in it, and if you listen to the podcast that we did with her a few months ago, I mean, you'll see how grooming can happen in any situation and therapists use their power and platform to blur the lines, especially for a trauma survivor who, unfortunately, when we share that we have been sexually abused, predators are, they love that. And then they now want to make you their prey. And mm-hmm. so therapists, they, they can't do that, the bad ones. And so to recognize that as a red flag is good, but so anyways, continuing on dual relationships in therapy is a big no, no, no friendship or work relationships with a counselor protect that space. And, and to know that that is a red flag. If your therapist is wanting, desiring those relationships with you. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I think it's good to be candid and notice that just like in any profession, there are unhealthy people who are in this field right. and, um, you can quit anytime. So let's talk a little bit about if it's okay, Nicole, yeah. um, good about yeah, some of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if your therapist feels creepy to you, <laughs> right? You don't. You don't have to stick around and find out why you feel that way. Mm, that's um, right. You don't you have to allow your. Candy. That's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, which our human need for proof that we're right is a real uh, hindrance to our progress sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and wanting to validate that and find out oh yeah, that was the thing. Well, we don't have to stick around and find that out. Um, if you feel in your body that things don't feel safe or, or you feel uncomfortable in a way that, cause it's not always comfortable, right? You're in therapy and you're going to be asked tough questions. That's a different thing than feeling mm-hmm. like, I just yeah. don't know, but my gut is telling me to move on. Please mm-hmm. go ahead and move on. Don't you think uh, a lot of times that gut feeling or that body response to the to the one you're discussing now would be more about safety? Wouldn't the creepiness or the uneasiness would feel more like it just don't feel safe to really be vulnerable here? Yeah. Versus when you're just being challenged and you know being asked to take some risks in counseling in a healthy way, it would just feel like, you know, almost empowering, but just, I'm a little nervous to like, try, you know? Yeah. What comes to mind is sort of the difference that I feel for in my own body when I am creeped out and I'm shutting down and feeling like Mm. tense versus when I'm kind of squirming in my seat because somebody is seeing me Yeah, and it's like, oh, they hit the nail on the head. And (laughs) now I'm going to sit here with this. That's a different feeling if we're really attuned to our body and our responses, but feeling like mm-hmm. I don't want to open up to this person. Yeah. Um, it, There's two different ways of feeling exposed. Like you can feel exposed and feel almost like you're afraid you're going to be uh, exploited again, 
or you can feel exposed in a way that you feel like they know me and they know how to get me free. (laughs) Yeah. And I would almost say the difference between feeling exposed and feeling seen. Yeah, that's great. Exposed is like without my consent, Mm. without my permission, without my blessing. Seen is like kind of a different feeling altogether. It's, oh, they're not new here. (laughs) And they (laughs) see this thing in me that feels difficult and that I maybe even sometimes try to hide mm-hmm. and a good and therapist not leaving. <laughs> yeah. A good therapist is inviting you to be seen rather than forcing you to be exposed. Great. That's really mm, put that line on a t-shirt. My goodness. <laughs> no one buys therapy t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello. Maybe we could change that y'all. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> What you can wear that therapy <laughs> about not exposure. a lot of swag yeah <laughs> swag. hey 2022 let's go girls right. <laughs> runways okay. here we come <laughs> yeah so I want to maybe just notice that um again we want to have a therapist with really good boundaries you might note it know a couple of things like once in a while I'll share an anecdote from my life but it's not personal. It's probably short and I'm taking one minute to tell you the story versus taking my turn that it's just not looking like that. Um, It's good that you don't know much about your therapist because then you don't have to concern yourself with what's going on for them. So we want to have people who are appropriately private because it it just throws off the dynamic of that relationship. Um, I always say back to my clients, I'm good, I take care of myself, or I have people who take care of me too, and just remind them, like, I'm reminding you that the boundary is, this time is for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And like um, you already said before, that is an adjustment for a lot of us, because it feels weird that I'm sharing all this personal stuff And I just want to know a couple little nuggets about you, but that's not what this is for. So again, that was in my unhealth, (laughs) but now it's like, keep some boundaries. So again, I'm just glad you're shedding some light on all this. Mary, you don't need a t-shirt. You need this on wallpaper. (laughs) I tell you, I needed you back then, Mandy. I needed you back then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just think it's good to set up that expectation that uh, this relationship is going to look different than the ones you've you've had with your friends and family. Um, And sometimes uh, it is okay to move on to a new therapist when it's not working. Hmm. Um, So I'm going to kind of share just a little bit. Or when that certain therapist has taken you to a certain place, right? Mm. It might not well, it may not be that that therapist isn't working. It, I mean, it might be that, but it may also yeah. be that therapist has taken you to a certain place on your journey. And that might be the season for that one. They may not be your 10 year plan. They may right. be two years of really good work on your mother wound. And you're really good with that. And maybe the next thing that you want to work on is a little bit different and you don't feel like they're the one to walk with you on that next thing. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also would add to that that th this is my opinion. I know that there are other clinicians who would disagree. I believe that we need to invite different perspectives into our life. Mm -hmm. So I am not, I will not be seeing a client for 20 years. I will not be going to the same therapist for 20 years because I, um, you know, we do bring our perspective and our history and, and all of that and everything we've learned. And so we want to stay open to the idea that other people may have different things to offer different perspectives. Um, so yeah, like that may be a person who's really good at this one thing and really walked me through something and the next might not be as good and it's okay to move on. And most importantly, it's okay to let your therapist know I want to get some new perspectives Yeah, and you are not going to hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be hopefully supportive and they may even have colleagues that might work better with, with you on some things. So um, having those open conversations that you can have that little twinge of fear that I'm going to let someone down, then you walk through it and find out it actually was fine. And mm -hmm. what a healing moment that could be for someone. Shocking. Mm -hmm. I've struggled in that area with the people pleasing, <laughs> letting someone down, but it is, it's, and, and again, like you said, it takes time to get to a place where you're like, yeah, I can just tell them like, I, we're good on this area right now. I'm looking for this in my next season. And I've never had an experience where any feelings were hurt. So I'm mm -hmm. grateful for that. And grateful you just said that because people like me need to hear that. We're not letting anyone yeah. down. Right. Yeah. 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 That's important. Yeah. And probably the therapist is aware too. There probably gets a point where it's like, you're both repeating yourselves. <laughs> like <laughs> we've gone around this tree yeah. many times. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and maybe it's time, time to, mm -hmm. to part ways and start with someone new or take a little bit of a break um, mm -hmm. before you try something new. Yeah. And I think even, you know, as you say that raising our awareness that um, your therapist may tell you it's time to move on. There are a lot of reasons that that happens and none of them are that you have done anything wrong or disappointing to your therapist. Mm. My goal is that you get the best care possible. And I know that's not always with me. Mm. And so being able to say, Hey, this isn't a fit. I think you would be better cared for in another environment mm. and helping you find that. I'm going to stick with you until you find that. Um, but noticing that, it's like your doctor send you to a specialist. It's not because they don't want to provide services. It's that they want you to be as well as possible. So you haven't done anything wrong, but it just might be time to move forward. Hmm. One thing that I, I don't remember where I heard it, podcast or a book I was reading, but it was talking about transference in relationships with the therapist where, you know, you might have this intense reaction and you just want to quit because you know you don't feel respected by your therapist or you know she doesn't like me I can tell you know things like that that mm -hmm. it's just this feeling that you might have and a lot of it's rooted in what probably happened to you with your abusive parent as a kid. And now you're actually in a safe environment with this counselor where I talked earlier about practicing, you know, trying something new different than your normal way of 
relating. Um, and I think sometimes it comes out when we don't even know it. And I've, I've read about it. I've met many survivors who have just quit therapy because of these strong, intense feelings and reactions in that therapy relationship when it's actually part of the healing process to walk through that. It can be a major breakthrough um, to walk through that with a safe and safe setting of therapy. Yeah, that's right. And I think there comes a point when people do feel that way and they want to leave. It's too hard. It's reinforcing the negative things we believe about ourselves Mm -hmm. or that we believe about how people see us. Mm -hmm. And even having a conversation with your therapist about them and the relationship and how this is going and these feelings with someone who's safe and who has no expectation of you and has no emotional kind of pull in this is an invitation to refine some of those old feelings and go back and address them and notice where I felt that way before. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I would say to that is that these old wounds don't have to look identical for our brain to think that they're the same. Right. Our brains do a lot of wild <laughs> connections that we wouldn't necessarily be conscious of. Um, yeah. but being open and honest about how you're feeling is going to definitely be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just that honest communication is so important. Um, I remember one of my friends was in a counseling appointment and there was a lot of silence and she wasn't used to that. And so she just boldly said after a while of just feeling so uncomfortable, feeling judged by this counselor felt like this is just the worst thing. It was a first appointment. And she just went out on a limb. She was like, I feel like I'm on a hidden camera show. What is all this silence? You think I'm crazy? <laughs> and then the counselor was able to share, well, you know, this is your first time with me. This is how I do it. I, I sit, I wait. And my friend was like, well, that's not good for me. So she left, but I was really proud of her saying the thing so she would know it wasn't about her it was the therapist's way and she Mm -hmm. chose then to say well that's actually not this isn't the best relationship so I'll find somebody else but without just running away and thinking all these negative things that she thought about herself her whole life probably um and just thinking well now therapists think same thing you know yeah yeah it's so funny that you say that because I as we were as I was getting ready for this morning I thought one important thing is that I know I'm not for everyone Uh and boy does that bring me relief I love that so much like there are going to be people who meet with me one time and be like nah she's Mm -hmm. not the one for me Mm -hmm. and that's okay um it's okay to keep moving and find a good fit so I would say to that be really thoughtful if you're thinking man that person wasn't a good fit you find another one Now, if we're talking about three or four plus that are not good fits, let's just sit still for a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Because often we're noticing that resistance, right? But again, if, if this therapist isn't for you, don't shut down to it completely because it's just like any other human interaction where... I might not connect with one person, but I am going to really enjoy the company of somebody else and really get a lot from them. And 
we're not looking for the same qualities in our and our therapists that we're looking for in our friends and our companions. So mm-hmm. it might look a lot different. Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> I think my best therapists have been people that I wouldn't have wanted to be my friend. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it just became so structured and right. And that's where the most healing could happen because it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do agree that healing is lifelong. And I think that the, the therapy process has to be looked at, like you said, in the beginning of an expectation that this is a process of like learning about ourselves and having this wise owl in the room with us to help us notice things about ourselves Mm -hmm. and our journey and making small changes that, you know, can really bring balance and health to our life over the long haul. And I think that's helped me when I look at that, that space. Yeah. So if I can take a couple of minutes, I want to talk just for a second about um, what makes people change. So uh, they're called change factors. And I'm just going to go over it really quickly. Um, 15% of what makes, what helps change in a therapeutic relationship is the kind of therapy we're provided. So if that's EMDR or CBT or, you know, whatever your therapist might be using, mm-hmm. I love this because we can go back and forth about what works, but uh, turns out it's only 15% of what is going on. Another 15% of a change factor is it's called uh, share. It's like a hope factor, they call it. So 15% of what helps us change is that you and I share hope. and. What I love about that is when my clients are not able to hold hope that things will get better, I can hold it all day long. I've seen tons of people be successful. I've seen lots of people uh, walk through similar stories and come out on the other end. And I have the perspective of like a quantity that Mm -hmm. my clients don't have, who often feel like I'm the only one who's been through this. Um, So hope factor. 40% of what goes into change is everything that that a client is dealing with on their own that has nothing to do with the therapist. Being able to get there, being able to uh, have childcare, being able to have just a a break in the stress to be able to go see someone, all of the stuff that's going on in life, 40%. 30 percent and this is where I focus a lot of my attention but 30 percent of what helps us get better is the relationship that we have with our therapist Mm. and it doesn't mean we're friends again I'm going to reiterate that but it means that I believe as the client that my therapist and I are working together toward this goal that the two of us decided on and I believe that my therapist thinks of me in a positive regard. Mm. So those are the four big categories of how um, a person experiences change in therapy. That's great. And I want to say, I think you really model that hope factor really well too. Um, Mandy, even just in our unleash groups, Mm. you know, where I watch you, you, like I said, the wise old owl, not that you're old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Nicole, you're basically the same age. (laughs) It's fine. 
anyway. Cool. Okay. <laughs> but no, but to be cool. able to look at the overall journey and to trust it, to trust the process um, because you've seen it before. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think it, in great therapy sessions that I've had, it's like the therapist is not asking me to do this homework. That's like, so black and white concrete, do this, check this box. You're going to get there. Like i I come in with that. I come in hard because I'm like, okay, here's the solution. And this is now what I have to do. And almost every time I met with something like, all we're asking is that you just notice that about yourself. You can make a change if you want, but just to notice it. And then if you want to do something, but, but I think the biggest thing right now is just noticing (laughs) it is always that. And to me, that's hope because it is, it's a small turning of the ship Mm -hmm. where we're not making these drastic waves, but it's just small steps one at a time towards a goal that I can take if I want or not. Yeah, And that feels really hopeful. That's what brings hope. And that's what I think keeps me connected and um, in a positive relationship in that Mm -hmm. therapy room. Yeah. 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 There's just not an expectation but maybe there is an anticipation that we can hold that if you keep noticing, mm-hmm. there's going to be the shift that you want to see rather than, you know, this black and white outline to your own, you know, 10 quick steps to mental health or whatever, but right. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to add to, I think there's an important part of one showing up early which kind of goes along with all the things that we as a client have to do to make this 50 minutes happen. Mm-hmm. Show up early if you can, bring notes. And then for me, don't cancel when you think you don't have anything to share this time. When I have decided to not cancel, there's been so many times I'm like, oh, that last session, whoo, that was good. I had a lot to bring. We did a lot of work. And then, you know what, this time, I almost forgot I had counseling. I don't even feel like I need it. I've got a lot going on. Um, what am I even going to talk about? I said it all last time. When I keep those appointments, those have been some of my best sessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's important sometimes. I mean, you got to listen to your body again, like you said, and yeah, um, there, there will be times where it, it's just, it's too much, but. Yeah. And I, I think that's really good advice. Um, in my own practice, I will often call them the junk drawer session because mm-hmm. so many times you're working on a poignant goal, the mother wound or some trauma or whatever. And then there's these little things that don't, you know, the junk drawer, like there's yeah. no place for it. So yeah. there's this like container that holds a little, a lot of a little bit of stuff. Yeah. And I don't have another place for it. And once in a while, like every single one of my clients has had a drunk door session where it's like, today's not the day for the heavy stuff. I've worked through a lot. I'm in an okay place. Maybe life is stressful, but now that we have this chance to talk about these few little things that are Mm -hmm. kind of like still kind of showing up in our life. That's right. Because on a normal day, I'm never getting to those little trinkets. No, you're not going to have this trauma and then walk in and say, I'm really annoyed that my partner leaves the cabinets open. Right. 
Yeah. Right. And then those <laughs> are example. the best sessions. Yes. My right. junk drawer is I full. I just realized that <laughs> my junk drawer is full. <laughs> That's great. I love that analogy. Yeah. Uh, Mandy, this was so good. I think it's going to be really helpful to so many of our listeners. I know it was helpful to Mary and I, and I'm mm-hmm. um, just so grateful for your presence in our lives and just the wisdom that you bring. Um, is there anything that we didn't make time for? I mean, we're going to bring you back again, but well, I appreciate that. Um, I'm looking at my list. I think we covered everything. I would say um, I'm certainly happy to answer if questions come in or, you know, anything struck a nerve yeah. with anybody. I'm happy to answer uh, those questions as they come in. But no, I think we covered at least like how to be a client 101. Love it. Great. Well, since you brought that up, I think it would be great if those who are listening have questions, we can bring Mandy back on and she could answer some of them um, within the next podcast. If you want to email those to me at Nicole at I am one voice.org, any questions, and then yeah, we'll bring Mandy back on for a little Q and R. All right. Sounds like fun. Thank you. (laughs) Great. And we'll give a little plug now for Unleash. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but um, would really love for you to consider joining. Our next Unleash begins September 6th and September 7th. So if you're looking for an evening group, we have one spot left in the Tuesday night, September 6th group. It runs for two months. And we also have three spots currently open in the Wednesday morning group. It begins September 7th. 10 a.m. Eastern time. We'd love to have you sign up. The website is imonevoice.org slash unleash. You can get all the information there. We do have scholarships available. If you want to reach out, you can just email me. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next time. All right. See ya. So grateful you are here. And if you're interested in supporting a survivor who's in financial hardship and unable to afford the Unleash course, please consider giving to our Survivor Scholarship Fund. We give scholarships to every survivor who asks with whatever funding we have at the time. And you can find more info on donating at the same link, iamonevoice.org slash unleash. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. If you heard something you liked, let us know and invite other survivors to listen so we can be on this healing journey together.